Yo, Eagles Nation, stand up. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another grease pole night in Philly. 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 Facts. What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome in to episode 48 of the Grease Pole Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at Grease Pole Podcast. Give me a follow on Twitter as well, at Greased Pole Pod. Welcome in to another week. We are 17 days away from the NFL draft, ladies and gentlemen, inching ever so closely to one of the best weekends of the year. And as always, you can follow, uh, follow along. Every episode drops, new episodes drop, rather, every Monday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Appreciate it. We have made it to uh, officially the year mark of the pod. Um, I don't know what that's worth. Um, maybe cupcakes, perhaps. But uh, but we've made it. Time has gone by really, really quick. And to think that uh, when this venture started a year ago, I thought that <laughs> this team had a Super Bowl window of about five to seven years, and we might be able to add to the trophy case and add some banners to the link. Uh, my God has shit completely hit the fan in the last 365 days. But regardless, uh, happy to chop it up here with you guys over the course of last year. If you're you know, a supporter and a listener of the pod, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Uh, even if you checked out for five minutes, I do appreciate it very much. Um, what a, This episode is going to be uh, highs and lows, the complete, epi- the complete spectrum of the bipolar express that it is to be an Eagles fan in 2021. But before we get into, uh, into that adventure, uh, Justin, I wanted to, uh, bounce something off of you, man. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know why it is that jobs feel the need. Like does pizza fix everything, man. (laughs) Supposedly like you ever worked at a pizza joint. I have never. Okay, so I remember go. I worked at Papa John's. Okay, not ironically, we're not a sponsor. <laughs> not at all. I don't think I want him to be. No, not Papa racist. <laughs> hate that guy. <laughs> I hated that guy when I worked there, and I never. Obviously, I never met him. He wasn't coming to Hampton. No, he seemed like a dick even before all the all the dirt came out, and then he shoved Peyton Manning in our face because hey. Tennessee, Don't judge me, right? Yeah. Here's here's the human thumb that everybody likes. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And then red faced drunk guy. <laughs> thirty days of thirty days of pizza in a row. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that was man. Last year, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, but we used to. You'd be surprised at the places you roll up to pe- uh, to with pizza, and like you said, like it's almost like you think. Ah, oh, this ought to fix it. Mm-hmm. This will keep them quiet. Our favorite was you go to the school, oh. and whenever you do that, you know, you, normally it's the eight cut. You know, one, one, and just the the diagonal. Yep. 
Will you do that again? <laughs> for the they need the to kids. be strips for the tots. Yeah. Pizza strips for the youngins. So when you said, when you said, what are we like in in grade school? Kindergarten, man. It just made me think. Did they cut it again? Dude. <laughs> or did you get real slices? No, they were real slices. What bothers me, and, and look, I don't want to come across, I'm grateful for it. Like, I appreciate it. I search, I'm sure. It's still as, a nice gesture. It is. I'm sure as fuck going to eat it. Yeah. But we're now up if we're, like, they're running up the score at this point. Like, I was telling you, this is the third week in a row they've bought pizza for, like, a, a group of people. Hmm. I mean, I've been part of it all three times, so I'm getting, like, I'm, I'm getting fed, which is fine. Uh, but I mean, we're at Monday, man. <laughs> we're at Monday. What is something else going to happen? Like in the next four days where it's like, yeah, get him pizza again. Like, <laughs> fuck man. <laughs> and somebody made the comment and that's what made me laugh. Uh, somebody made the comment because in long story short, we had to go to a different warehouse today and basically take out a bunch of racks, metal racks and take them like that you put shit on the warehouse or whatever. We were disassembling them and walking them down uh, because the elevator did not work in the warehouse because, of course, why the fuck would it? Uh, so we had to take these things up and down a lot of steps, mm-hmm. like a lot. <laughs> and so I guess, you know, hey, well, we'll give them, you know, they Pizza like and beer. Yeah. People <laughs> saw the beer would have been like fucking a, you know, but I guess they saw the the brass talking. You know, and somebody was like, oh, I guess they're getting us fucking pizza again, <laughs> you know, and it was like, well, goddamn. And it did make me think like, wow, it's been a lot of this shit, you know, like why? Like, what are we? Is this third grade? But it, it, I don't know why they will think that like that just fixes everything for adults. Like we can, you know, if I want a pizza, I can call up and order a pizza. You know what I mean? I don't even think pizza is that great of a lunch. It, the problem is, is it. It weighs you down mm-hmm. for one, so I'm no good after eating. Yeah, because um, God I, forbid you have more than one piece, right? Which if, I'm fucking <laughs> come on, of course, you know. <laughs> um, but I'm like the guy that's going around taking like inventory, like has everyone else got first? Because I don't want to be the one to go get seconds before nobody's had firsts. So like <laughs> once I see everybody's got a plate in their hand, I'm like, all right, I'm good. Green light, go. green light. <laughs> you know, you wait for everybody to clear away from the box, put one on your plate, and do like the look. You know, all right, I could put two on here and nobody will think anything of it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it seems like it's like, oh, we'll shut them up with that, you know, but I've noticed there are certain places that will do, we're doing like the party cuts and they cut it into a million. That's insulting for me. Like the Chicago, I think at Papa John's, we called it the Chicago cut where it's like everywhere two across two up yeah like if i'm gonna if i'm gonna if i'm gonna kill myself for this i at least want to make it worth it you know i hated look like so that would traditionally be the cut for a thin crust Mm. you know that that chicago cut which is fine because it's less sloppy anyway right but if, if it's like regular crust Give me the damn triangle slice. Dude, yeah. Please. <laughs> stop playing with me. You're already playing with me with this, but just stop running up the score here. <laughs> you know? It's, I guess, uh, let's, what would, quick math. I think it works That's out where to, you lost me. To, to 12 pieces of the Chicago cut, something like that. That's whereas, a lot, man. Whereas the eight for your traditional cut. Yeah. The eight's a good, that's perfect. 
you would think. It is perfect. You and can't get 16 slices. Slice. It's so perfect, man. You can fold it. You can get the fold on and boom, go. 16 is egregious. Absolutely. If you're getting 16 slices out of a pizza, fuck you. <laughs> you know, like, and the other thing is, and I don't know, maybe I'm fucking weird for thinking of this, but what does pizza place open at like 10, 11 o'clock? We used to, so I used to open and, you know, again, so you're bringing people, you're bringing big stacks of pizza for people's lunch. Right. Uh, if you knew there was a huge order, we would get there by 930. Okay. For prep and bank stuff and right. Um, open the doors by eleven. Okay. So if you had a big order right at open, those ovens need to go on by ten, so they're warm enough, ready to go. Yeah. Uh, again, depending on how big, you'd be surprised how many times I had to go to my car and bring like a stack like this. And for those of you that I'm six foot tall, about yeah. half of me. So three feet of pizza, go in, bring in three feet of pizza, go out, get another stack of three foot of pizza. Yeah, you've got passengers now. Come away with nothing. Dude, yeah, that's just murder. And that's what I thought about. I'm like, okay, so these places are probably just recently opening up. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting here going, yeah, give me eight pies. Like, you know they hate you, and they're probably... The manager. The manager's like, sales. Of course, <laughs> right, dollars, you know what I mean? But the like, driver's like, yo, fuck you. Yeah, the other people are like, no, we're going to sneeze in this shit. <laughs> fuck these guys, you yeah. know? And, I mean, and they should. And they should, because it's it's egregious with this shit. It's just like, it's the, you know, the thing, the flex tape meme. Like, oh, employees are bitching, just give them pizza. Yeah. You know, like, come on, man. At least if, you, if you're going to offer us food apologies, do, right. better, do better. Like, you know, some Chipotle occasionally. Oh, like, I'm not dude. even a Chipotle guy, but like, at least think out, Mo's, think outside of the box. It, exactly. Well, Chipotle, ironically, and I meant to tell you this before we went on, Chipotle makes me think of hipster. So when I went to the Bucks today, you know, they have the joke of the day. Oh, by the way. Elite. I, oh, it's is- elite some of the best we've gotten yet a hundred percent dude and they've they've been a madhouse lately and they were today but they moved so they're picking it up over there yeah but they have the joke of the day when you pull through the drive-thru sometimes and the joke of the day was uh why did the hipster burn his mouth uh why i saw this and i had to ask i was like hey while i'm sitting here like can you tell me the answer to the riddle i'd like to know she goes oh you want to know yeah. And she goes, he drank it before it was cool. And I was like, oh, my God. That is exactly what I wanted it to be. Yeah. That is so good. That really is. It's so good. So shout out. I think her name was Keely, uh, the the drive through window chick over at the Bucks. I was like, oh, my God. That That's is a good one. Fuck yeah. I was like, I need to start asking more often. Like, are they all this good? I just saw a hipster, and I'm like, I'm hipster when it comes to hating hipster shit. So I was like, oh, I got to know. You hated it before. It was cool. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I hated hipsters before I knew what the hell fuck they were. <laughs> but like, I got to know. I got to know how he tortured himself. But so there was that. I wanted to ask you, because WrestleMania was this past oh, weekend. yeah. Is, is this just the perspective of somebody who does not watch it all the time anymore? Or does WrestleMania not feel like the big deal that it used to? I think you got two things here. Um, COVID last year with made it like nobody. 
Nobody yeah, was there. That was a mess. So already it goes from yeah to right. Mm-hmm. And then this year there were fans, but it was definitely smaller. Right. And you didn't have the build just isn't the same because still no fans. Like right. the Thunderdome has been really cool. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of the wrestlers say it's actually very helpful. Like to have yeah. something in there. Right. Um, but it still it doesn't have that electricity of a live audience. Right. So yeah, like I get that. But once you got there, okay. Once you push play and you see Vince McMahon out there and like I initially eye rolled because I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want Vince to be the first thing I see. Yeah, no, that's not good. But it was. Okay. It was kind of like dad saying, it's going to be okay, guys. Okay. Right on. And he's like, hey, look, you know, this has been a rough year. Uh, You know, everybody kept performing, but we knew there was one big piece missing. And, you know, it's PR bullshit. Of course. But the one thing that was missing was you. Right. The, the superstar that was missing was you guys. And everyone cheered. And everybody went, the cheap, yeah. The cheap pop. Cheap pop. But hey, it but works. It, it worked. And it was like. And, and he's he not right. wrong. He he's right. not wrong. And I'm not VKM guy, but yeah. he's not wrong there. He's not wrong. And so cheap pop, but cheap pop because it was right. Right. And, you know, like, like I said, I immediately eye rolled. But then I was like, ah, okay. He's got a point, though. <laughs> got a point. And everybody was out on the stage. And again. Typically speaking, that when I see that, I eye roll and I'm like, okay. I hate that, man. Baby faces and heels, like, oh. Was, again, it tugged at me, and you see like the emotion of everybody, like as they're going through, and and everybody's like pumped to be in front of fans again. Yeah, and it's just like it gets to you, right? So much so that I welled up. Drew McIntyre was the first person out, and I've never welled up at an entrance before. Right, his music hit. You see him come out with his sword, and he looks at everybody, and you instantly see like how fired up he is. And I was like, "Holy what? shit! <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! What is going? No, right? <laughs> or Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lash, like not even the match for the first entrance. <laughs> but it was like the the thing that's been missing, yeah, all this time. Yeah, it it it. You take it for granted yeah. that you know there's always people there, and then you realize what sporting events are without it, and you're like, "Fuck, yeah!" Like this shit's not the same, man. Well, you know, you can watch some of the other sports. I have. I've watched some hockey. I've watched some baseball, and to me, like, it's it's not the same without right. the fans. But I can still watch it. Yeah, uh, there being. Baseball for me was a hard sell last year. Like it was kind of cool when it came back because it was like, yay, a sport. Mm-hmm. But baseball with no fans there, I just couldn't. I was like, man, this is tough. And it didn't help that the Phils sucked. Yeah. But you get to this year, and I mean, of course, the Texas Rangers do not give a fuck. Yeah. Because Texas, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they just opened that new ballpark last year, and they didn't reap any of the rewards. Like I, okay, I get it financially, but come on, optics. Um. But there's they're having fans there. It adds to an atmosphere. It's mm-hmm. not it it's not a sellout, but you rarely have sellouts in baseball anyway on like a fucking Tuesday afternoon game. Right. Yep. So it there being that there is kind of like, yo, okay, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Hockey and football I can watch regardless of the circumstance. Having fans there fucking helps. But like I'm not watching a Flyers game and going 
man, I wish there were more people there. I'm watching a Flyers game and going, why the fuck are we losing to Buffalo? <laughs> but regardless, you I've know. I've said that a lot lately. <laughs> dude. What happened? They were the worst. And yeah. suddenly they beat on you, they beat on us. We can't beat them. <laughs> we, we had them beat yesterday for a while, and then they tied it up with, Oh, Christ, I don't know. I tried to block it out of my head. About five minutes left, and then they scored again to make it four to three. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then they got the empty netter, and it was five to three like that. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm done being just depressed and heartbroken over this shit. Fuck At em. least we have the excuse of being like a young team. Of it. Right, dude. Rebound. Yeah, like if they, we were a fucking cup contender. <laughs> we started this year hot, and then COVID happened to us, and all of a sudden- You're welcome. Thanks, pal. I know, right? And it is. It's like, okay, now all of a sudden Matt Niskin and retiring is a problem when mm-hmm. we were fucking a, one of the five, six best teams in the league before that, you know? And uh, I, uh, I I don't know, man. But I will say with WrestleMania, I think it's cool that they're they're splitting it up two nights now. Oh, I hope that. I hope that is like forever. I do too. If you're going to put like my thing is, and again, I haven't watched it regularly week to week in years, so we're going to have a different perspective. But I if if you're going like I I used I remember WrestleMania when I kind of got out of it was about the time where it started becoming like what it what it has now in terms of let's put everybody on the card, mm-hmm. you know, where it goes from being a four, even a five hour thing to like a fucking marathon. Yeah. You know, I watched a mania um, a couple years ago. I can't remember which one it was. It was one of the Brock Roman ones. And it felt like like it was a chore to get through it, man. It was like, oh, my God, this is so fucking long. Like, And there used to be, to me, like, okay, the biggest show of the year, I get you want to put everyone on the card, I guess. Mm-hmm. But I remember this being like the crescendo of, like, every match at WrestleMania used to matter. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I like I kind of felt like eh. I also don't like how they start the how they start the show with like you were saying like Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley like I like how they used to build the card a little bit better. So this year, I think, and there's I there's no way to prove this unless Drew says it. Right. But everything I've seen, Drew insisted that he was first out. Okay. Because he's the one that's been carrying the flag for the last year. He's like, nah, right. I don't, I don't care. I want to. I want to be the first one out. Good for him. Well, and he didn't get that moment last year. He didn't. And I felt so bad for that dude. He worked so hard to get there. Yep. They did it right for once. They did. And then he gets it, and there's nobody there. And nobody. Yep. And then he. Carries but a ceiling the flag. fan. <laughs> yeah. He carries the flag for the better part of a year. Yeah. And a year with nothing nobody and yeah dude if, if that's what he wanted he he's he deserved it he, he deserved, deserved it, it. and credit him. yeah good for good for vince and shit for letting him okay pal you know yeah. or whatever you know I, I i like and i mean that said if you're gonna do two nights you have to finish night one hot oh, they like they like they did oh yeah you know i honestly probably would have traded main events really i would have i would have put sasha and bianca as the main so like was how was because I heard that was the triple threat phenomenal. Yeah, it how was, was the triple incredible. threat? Incredible. Was it an all timer? Match wise, yeah. Really? Okay. But if you place it in like storyline wise of what's been going on, 
and compare <coughs> it to other WrestleMania main events where you want that moment. Right. There is no moment. Gotcha. Okay. Just as a standalone match. It's incredible. Okay. It okay. was outstanding. Good shit. Like, all three of them delivered. And then you've got Jey Uso on the outside just being awesome. Right. Being like annoying as fuck. And then, of course, <laughs> Paul Heyman is, is I love Paul E, dude. Like all of it just worked. Well, those three, and I'm typically not triple threat guy, but those three, I think it, it says something because, I mean, I'm sure everybody's made this correlation if I've thought of it. You got Reigns who had leukemia. Mm-hmm. You got Edge who had the, you know, the, 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 him and Daniel Bryan both had injuries. I think Daniel Bryan had a neck, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was Edge. Edge's, but Edge's neck and Bryan okay. basically brain. Okay. So they, Edge was the neck, but they both had, I remember like, they got forced to retire. Yeah. Okay. We're done. Yeah. We have, so having those three all in the ring together is kind of like, yo, fucking A. You know, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not Roman Reigns guy, but I also don't know what they've been doing with him now. You could put a broom with Paul E, and I'm going to be like, yo, I fucking love the broom. So This version of Roman is incredible. I just wish they would have turned the him heel in front of people. Because it, people yeah. had been wanting that for so long. It's like with the scene. That's why they didn't. The scene, yeah. Like, uh, they would have cheered him. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's like, you know, you never got the scene of heel turn that you wanted. Mm-hmm. They, they gave you the Reigns heel turn. You know what I mean? But you're right. I mean, it, it's it's not 20 years ago. They probably wouldn't have reacted the way that they should. You Which know? might be the the best thing to come from uh, this era. Yeah. Is retraining the audience. Yeah. Because you didn't get a lot of those crap moments where they're booing the wrong people, cheering the wrong ones. Right. Quote, unquote. Yeah. Um, it seemed like they were just amped to be there again right right which is what has been lost yeah the audience knows everything exactly exactly so instead of just getting lost in the moment and watching the matches and and yes this guy this guy won yeah yeah uh this guy who's a good guy right oh i always thought it was more fun to boo the bad guys anyway rather than cheer the bit their heels booing them says yay i like your work Right, exactly. They're supposed to, they're there to piss you off, Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, of course, the older you get, you find out, like you said, that means they're doing their job correctly. Mm -hmm. But, you know, reward them by booing them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I know. And that's the one thing. So WrestleMania crowds, generally speaking, are the better crowds for that specifically. Right. Anyway, but I think this crowd was just psyched to be back. Yeah. And so, yeah, which is understandable. Although Hogan got booed and it was wonderful. <laughs> oh, it was good, great. He good. got booed like on night two specific because I didn't notice it night one because, like I said, I was like, "Oh my god, it's happening! Yeah, yeah. This, this is happening! Holy shit!" People are there. Night two, I paid attention when they came out. Titus would talk. Yeah, Hogan would talk. <laughs> like as soon as Titus would stop, Hogan would bring up the mic. Uh, I was like, <laughs> word. Hell yeah, and dude. It, and it wasn't just my ears, because like, it kept happening. Mm-hmm. I was like, yes. No, that's fucking great, Tell man. Tell him what's up. <laughs> I love the fact, too, this is this is always a good, the Raw after WrestleMania is oh, usually yeah. always yep. a blast. You yep. know what I mean? This is one that even I usually try to like, okay, let me, you know, if the Phil's on or whatever, the Flyers, whatever, like, let me flip it on for a little bit. And maybe 
maybe they'll reel me in for a little bit. We'll have to go you know? short on. I don't think we have anything lined up for Gear Freaks anyway. We'll just go short tonight. Yeah, that'll work, man. Because I, I wouldn't mind. I mean, I'm sure it'll probably be a little different with the Thunderdome, but right. you know, it's still if it, there's always an atmosphere in the air. There's going to be some with that raw and returns. And- it, right, right. It's like they always if there's a raw that every year is must see. It's the one after Mania. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So good, good for them, man. I mean, I was, I was, I was kind of curious, man. Um, you know, I read the reviews every year and stuff like that, and get the opinions of people I know that watch it, and then it's like, okay, you know, maybe go back and check the stuff out. I mean, although I didn't, you had been telling me for the past year to watch the Firefly Funhouse, and I finally did the night of our hockey draft. Yeah, and I had had a few, so it like it hit me. I was like, like it hit me probably different than it would have before I had a few, and I was yeah. like, the hell. <laughs> exactly <laughs> the hell is going on yeah you know if i was drug guy this would hit even crazier yeah you know absolutely speaking of fantasy pucks man we uh we've got we've got ourselves a matchup this week final <sighs> week of the regular season in the tug nut cup i've got like four guys on the IR. <laughs> dude it's it's been such a brutal stretch and it doesn't help that vancouver cannot stop being vancouver yeah they can't they get just... on the ice like yeah, and apparently, like, a couple dudes have it really bad. We both have Canucks on our team. Well, the, the thing is, like, it's it af- ends up affecting all the Canada teams, which half of my roster is Canada teams. Right, dude. <laughs> like, I know f- for a good stretch, it was Calgary and Vancouver that were playing each other. Yep. So I know I have, like, two Flames and two Canucks. And so yep. I look, and, like, at least four guys, PPD. Yep. Come on, man. <laughs> I know, dude. It's the worst. It's the worst. And I dude, it I think I've I've got Matt Kachuk for Calgary, Connor Hellebuck, the goalie for Winnipeg. Uh what Patrick Line, if he hadn't got traded, now he's with Columbus. Um it's it's Edmonton. My, yeah, the goddamn Oilers. Yeah. My only wish is that we both make the playoffs. That's all I want. And we're sitting there now, six teams make the playoffs. You're the five, I'm the six. So it, I'd be fine if we're the cutoff. I do. That's what I'm hoping for. Like no disrespect to seven through ten. Yeah. Um. There's people in there that I I like. Of course, they're in the league. But uh, I just want to be a playoff team, man. You know, especially like I was. I think a couple weeks ago, a month ago, I was low as like ninth. <laughs> I was like, oh man. And I almost did the like what the Flyers should do and started just selling people. Like yeah. fuck it. All right, give me picks for next year. You know. But I wrote it out. And here we are. I I hope, man. I really hope that. I mean, who knows? Maybe we can go on a little run because if we stay the five and six, we're not going to play each other in the first round, right? So, you know. Although I think, dude, in first place, no one's taking Gritty's it Gritty's gang. I don't know, like, what he knew, but <laughs> he. Uh, I did not expect like. It's just gross, dude. He's running through everybody. Yeah, everybody. There was no catching him. My guy, Brad. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, I, I checked the points this morning, and I think I was like, there's no, like, the one seed's locked up. Yeah. Joe, you know, points-wise, Joe's doing well, but, like, record-wise, I think he's, like, actually, he might be second now. But yeah. I know he was, like, fourth or fifth, but you look at his points, and it's like, okay, well. Yeah, like- <laughs> it's attainable, yeah. you know. He's he's up there. I think the playoff teams are uh, Dude Brad, who's in first place, Joe, uh, the Zetterberger draft. That we talked come about, on, man, fix it. Yeah, my guy Mike. Like, man, come on, take the out of your team just name. Take the, we get it. Add the two S's. Like, please, please stop. 
I didn't even notice it until you pointed it out. Dude, now I can't unsee it. This is why my head is constantly fucked because shit like that <laughs> bothers me way more than it ever should. <laughs> like I looked at that and I literally I thought about texting him and being like, "Bro, can you please can you fix this because it's bothering me more than it I'll should." I'll disqualify like, you. Yeah, like I'm admitting I'm a mental patient for this, but can you please <laughs> Whenever you get a minute, minute, like I know you're married and have a family, but whenever, this like, is important. yeah, whenever you're not being a dad and a husband, fix your fantasy hockey team name because I'm sick of your name bleeding into your record. It's bullshit. <laughs> like, come on, man. And I'm wondering, like, how does that not, how does one not see that Seriously. their own and think of that and go, ah, I could just take the out of the title of the name finish everything it doesn't look as bad and it still gets the point across i think we get your the that's it the The only reason my team name is the zamboners is because it fits and it just like if i were to just name my team zamboners it doesn't sound as cool well and if if i call them the zamboners they sound like a band if if you had didn't have enough space for the zamboners and it just said the zambone you would lose (laughs) the the no problem oh it would be so gone in a heartbeat, I'd be like, oh, okay, well, you know, because again, RS is much more important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's the way my mind works. Like I want to go, I want to hack his info so I can get in there and change his <laughs> team name. You know, fix this shit, please. You know what? I didn't include him. My team name is the Dumpster Fire, but you know what? I don't have in my name. Right, the because it's Dumpster Fire. You get it. Yeah, dude. Well, it, in certain instances, the works or it like. Yours just being dumpster fire is just so to the point. Yes. Just, I'm not, I can't even be bothered with three more letters. It's just a mess over here. <laughs> but yet you're still a playoff team. That's Somehow. the funny part. Yeah. You know? Um, our guy Chris is in 10th, man. Ooh. Well, I think he's So not first playing. overall pick for him. I'm going to have to check his roster because I've got a theory. That, yeah, I was starting to think, like, maybe dudes are checking out and, like, are people tanking for the first oh, pick? Oh, Maybe. Maybe, you know, because there's some people like every now and then I'll get the wild hair up my ass to go and like check. Okay, is everybody setting their lineup? Normally when I do, everybody's shit's good, Mm -hmm. you know, but I'm not I'm not stalking people's lineups every day either, though. You know, like, is it that serious? Probably not. You know, again, uh, talk about things that I learned real quick. I think the first couple days of the season, I didn't I didn't set my lineup and then I'm looking at like production from guys on the bench that mm-hmm. i didn't play because i didn't know i didn't know to put them in yeah dude it's like oh i gotta do <laughs> I it every to, day yeah that is the difference between fantasy football and fantasy hockey fantasy football you set once a week and it's it's good generally speaking unless there's injury fantasy hockey and shit you have to every day like mm-hmm. normally for me i do it i'll go forward and set it for tomorrow uh when i have my last cigarette of the night either that or when i wake up in the morning First thing in the morning, I do it while I'm brushing my teeth before I get in the shower. Mm -hmm. Like, it's either the last thing I do before bed or the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning for that reason. Like, I'm not, I don't want to fuck anything up. leave points on the table. Yeah, like, no, I need these. I want this championship. right now. Yeah, right? in. That's it, dude. I just want to be a playoff team. I just want to say I made it and yay. I got to be honest, man. Like, I've way outperformed what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to be garbage at this. Hence and, the team name. Right. <laughs> and I was I feel like there was like a lot of a lot of wins where I thought that I got I outcoached like, yeah. or I outmanaged my team. Yeah, dude. Uh 
you know the, the opponent and it's like to be sitting here at fifth it's like I, we did I, it. Clearly, We're I should, some momentum. I shouldn't be the f- best team in the league, obviously, but I did well enough that I should be in the playoffs. You're in the conversation, and I'm going to tell you what happened to me the very first year I did fantasy hockey, five years ago, I think it was. I was kind of like Brad is this year. I was run away in first place. We, this was back during the RFR days. Clark was in the league. Oh. Um and I, he, I think he checked out pretty quick. <laughs> um, but I got out to a big-ass lead point-wise, and I just never looked back. Um, made it all the way to the championship. Had, I think, a 7-2 to lead going into Sunday night, the final night. And when I woke up in the morning and checked it, I was facing my guy Banks in the championship, who's a Caps fan. When I woke up in the morning, it had flipped, and he beat me 5-4. Oh. And you want to know who cost me the fucking championship? Who? The goddamn Flyers. <laughs> because we were playing the Rangers. It was also the game that eliminated us officially from oh. playoff contention. And they cost me the championship Double because edge. dude had, right? He had, I want to say, Chris Kreider, Kevin Hayes, back when he was a Ranger. Ironic. He's a Flyer now. Hmm. And like another uh, Rangers, because he he loaded up on Rangers with his waiver claims of the week. Mm-hmm. I had like I had Giroux that year, <laughs> um, and I think that was it, man. So I had like one dude going against his three, if I remember correctly, and the categories were really tight. I remember being like, "I'm good though, man. Seven to two. Like, I'm sh- I'm straight. You know what it's gonna take to flip this?" And I remember waking up the next day to check, like, "All right, let me get this championship. Let me take this money." I looked and I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Are you shitting me?" And he texted me. He was like, "Man, I have no idea how this happened, but I'm like, me either. Here's your money. Leave me alone, because I'm gonna be. I'm scarred right now. Oof. I'm scarred." I guess that would be better than, you know, like sucking up the joint, you know. Like, yeah. Uh, I don't So it's possible though. Yeah. You know. I don't know that I would want to run away with it and then have that happen to me. Uh but oh god, like I guess it just comes back to I just want to make the playoffs. That's I, it. I it, feel like for my first season not knowing anything going in making the playoffs is acceptable but you know you know sports you figured it out well you know it didn't take you long to catch on at the end of the day the only way you have a shot to win is if you make the playoffs you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so that's the first that's the preliminary goal is well let's just get in the playoffs and then go from there looks like we're gonna be in man plus it's been a blast actually paying attention to hockey this season right like i'm looking at all the scores i'm like Going, okay, my guy's on this team. Let's see what's going on here. Oh, it's 3-2. Okay, let me yeah. see if, if my guy did anything. Let me see if right. you know if there's anybody I should keep my eye on to yeah. see if they pop up in the uh, free agents. It's It's been neat. It is, dude. Again. And it gets you familiar with a lot of players, like you said. It gives you something to like. it, it like, And you have to check back every day mm-hmm. because you don't know. Maybe somebody dropped somebody. You know what I mean? And that's how you build your team because, I mean, you're not going to keep everybody you draft. Eventually, like the people you draft, somebody's going to suck. Someone's going to get hurt. 
Yep. Whatever. So I'm I'm excited, man. It's the last week of the regular season. God damn, this is going by quick. I mean, it was a short yeah. season, so you know, hopefully next year we'll have a full season to do this shit because that's when it like it gets it gets interesting, man. Once you see teams getting close to like 200 points and shit, you're like, "Oh my god." Like it's it's it it gets it gets entertaining, man. And I mean, it, it is anyway, but it's better when you have a full season, you know, and we'll expand the rosters next year so that, you know, we won't have as many people just hanging on the bench like we do now. Um so real quick, what do we got for the people on Gear Freaks tomorrow? So we went over the final four for the men's and the women's squad. Uh, squads. Squads. And I will say this. Uh, it's a crying shame that the final four women's uniforms were better than the entirety of the WNBA. It, Dude. Seriously. Because you're the WNBA. and You're the professionals here. And... It's not their fault that they don't have the funds. It's not. People need to start paying attention. They do. Let's get them the funds because they're putting out a good. Pro- Clearly, they have a good product. That league is twenty plus years it's been old at right, this point, dude. And doesn't that make you feel old? Well, of course, everything does these days. <laughs> I know, I know, right? <laughs> but they've been around. They've got a. I mean, they're on ESPN. Like they're on cable. They're on networks and shit. Yeah. There's money there. And they're socially forward. They're very yes. progressive. And you would think that it would be something that the younger generation would latch on to just because, like, the big money leagues mm-hmm. don't really – they're starting to. They're getting there, but that's more so because peer pressure. It's not because, to me, like, they actually believe in it, except the NBA, I think. It's peer pressure because – enough people have finally latched onto it that it's affecting the money. Right, right. Which is what you have to do. Yeah. All um, they care about is dollars. So the WNBA does it because they actually care about that right, shit. Right, So maybe we should support them. Exactly. And it's something different, man. And, and It's a good product if you like basketball. It is. There's, I mean, they're, you know, they're high-scoring games. You know, it. You know, at least compared to what they were, you know what I mean? I mean, okay, sure, you can look at it and go, well, the NBA is high, more high-scoring than it was 20 years ago, too. Okay, yeah, sure. But, I mean, it it's something different, man. I know people don't tend to – and look, I hate change, you know. <laughs> but, you know, you can't, you can't sit here and go, well, women need to be paid the same as the men and then just not – pay any attention to the women's basketball league or women's hockey league or mm-hmm. women's soccer or whatever the case may be. I'm not, you know, me with footy. I'm not big soccer guy, right? but I know more women's soccer players than men's soccer players. Part of that could be because Julie Ertz is married to Zach Ertz. Who's been such a huge part of the Eagles before they shit the pen, you know, but uh, Carly Lloyd is like a Philly fan. You know what I mean? It, so Alex Morgan, you see her all over the TV and shit. Like I can name more women players than I could men's, you know, men's soccer players. Like if I were given a choice of, am I going to watch women's soccer or men's soccer? I'm going to pick women's soccer. Cause I know them more. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen them more. I'm more familiar with them. And that's not even being on some perverted shit. You know what I mean? I don't get, I'm watching women's soccer for a sport. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not on some weird shit, but I don't know any men's soccer players. I mean, okay, Ronaldo and whatever. But could I tell you what team they play for? Nope. Hmm. No clue. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So 
I don't think you can it, – it's just a good idea to support everybody across the board. And I, it sucks because WNBA, I feel like for years, has inadvertently been a punchline. Yeah. And Shoot, it's – We're guilty of it too. Yeah. You know, like we – I mean, mostly in reference to the, <laughs> the team names the team that names. don't end in S. Please. <laughs> they sound WNBA, they, yeah. and they do, you mm-hmm. know? And But that's not, if I could soapbox and, like, assuage our actions, we're not knocking the product itself. Mm-hmm. It's just, hey. It's very mid to late 90s. Like, that was everything. Yeah. Maybe Atlanta Dream can be something else. If you can figure out a better way because it took me painfully long to figure that was a mlk thing <laughs> i should have realized that initially oh shit yeah okay that's why it's called the dream but like if you can chicago f- sky though there's no excuse for that <laughs> indiana fever oh none. god <laughs> i mean indiana pacers that makes sense it does car. The indianapolis I 500 right and I get that you get the Indianapolis fever, like you for the Indianapolis for the race. Yeah, that's not a team name. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not. Put an S there. Like Lynx works because it it sounds plural. Yes, and it's wow. If I didn't just sound like an S there, but Wouldn't but it that do- be the plural of Lynx. <laughs> yeah, Is it the Lynxes. Lynxes. <laughs> <laughs> gooses lynxes but you have and that's also kind of a play off of the timberwolves you know what i right. mean like the logo is an homage to the timberwolves logo mm-hmm. so it's like okay there's a you know correlation there they're symbiotic the t-wolves and the Lynx, so it fits it can work we've said before the miami heat yeah. that makes sense like it's not it's not they're all ass it's not they're all terrible but you can get out of here with the oklahoma city thunder and shit yeah Bye. You know, please, for the love of God. Same liberty. It makes sense. It's the least egregious, but still, come on. It does. It does. I don't know how I didn't make the correlation Atlanta Dream MLK. Well, like now I look at it as like, okay, there's a reason now. Yeah. There's a reason now. It's not like just, oh, we're girls. We dream, you know? (laughs) We're just laying in our beds with a Lisa Frank notebook. I don't know why I turned them into that. (laughs) But like that. That's what you fit like you see, and you're like, why did none of them have like a cool, like intimidating name? You know, the NBA, you have the Trailblazers and the Knickerbockers. <laughs> <laughs> did you see? <coughs> did you see they had a rain delay? The New York what? Knicks that play inside, indoors at <laughs> Madison Square Garden had a fucking rain delay because there was a rainstorm and the roof had a leak. Oh my God. That would only happen in the Knicks. Yep. It would only happen in the Knicks. Yep. I swear to God. They are a dumpster fire and have been for 20 years. Dude, yeah, I heard that and I was like, oh, no. It's very them. It like, is very, very them. And I, I think they're, I mean, and I'm not locked into the NBA outside of the Sixers, but I think they're like a pesky HC right now. I would be, I'd be into that because that is very, that right there is very Knicks. Yep. Uh, they have to be a gritty, grimy fighting ass team that's it like charles oakley yeah anthony mason and all yes. that dude i'll say this and i hate the knicks but you know because of new york but they're a team like we talk about like hockey with the red wings and shit like the nba would be better if the knicks were better at least an eight seed that's it at least be like a playoff the, team the perfect way you said it 
at least be a pesky eighth. You don't have to ever knock them off. Push them to seven. Yep. Yep. Just get out there and fight. Just matter. Just matter. matter. Be viable. Don't be like, oh, look at them again with the rain delays yes. in an indoor <laughs> in an indoor he facility. In Carmelo Anthony, and that's this isn't a knock to him, but like he's a scorer. Like that's it, the ball stopper, dude. He's so ball dominant. He was, and I mean, and they brought in Amari Tube, like, and it was cool because I think that was the last time they. I can't remember if they won a playoff series that year or not. I Probably wanted, not. I, I was going to say, I don't think they probably did, but at least they were there and they were, they again, under the radar. They were me. that pesky, yeah, like, okay. And little Jeremy Lin. <laughs> oh, my Lin God. Sanity I forgot about that, dude. Holy shit. That, my God, that's a fun conversation. Yeah. Didn't mean to derail. Flashes in the pan. Derail the derailment. <laughs> the derail <laughs> conversations we've had. <coughs> It's funny because remember when before we went on the air, we were like, if we can, if we can keep it to around fifteen. I told you, man. And we're you four, open up my mic. We're forty-five minutes in now. We haven't even gotten to the birds. I don't even want to talk about these depressing fuckers, but I guess I should. Yeah. I guess I should. You know why not stay on topic or at least touch on it? It's depressing. So, uh, new Gear Freaks episode drops tomorrow. Subscribe, rate, review on all platforms. Give us a follow on IG and Twitter. At Gear Freaks Pod. So, we will get to the main course of the episode, what the title's sake of this episode will be. Um, I'm going to go here first because uh, I, I don't know how everybody else is, but when, you know, your parents or your teacher or whatever back in the day, whenever they would ask you if you're a kid, okay, I got good news and bad news, which one do you take first? I always want bad news first. I don't know why. Um, I guess maybe so I could be happy on the back end. Um, only not in a Deshaun Watson fashion. So let's get to the bullshit first um, before I try and put some good juju out there, which was what this entire episode was going to be based around. Because again, we are 17 days away from the draft and you try and throw good vibes out into the universe and okay, maybe Howie ain't going to Howie. We're getting close. Let me try and throw some good juju out there. So I'm going to take a sip and then I'm going to delve down this with you. Okay, The Athletic just released an article. Uh, they've got three names attached to this. Uh, Shio Kapadia, Bo Wolf, and Zach Berman, uh, you know, collaborated on this article that came out today on The Athletic that essentially states that Jeff Laurie and Howie Roseman, quote, ridiculed and criticized every decision that Doug Peterson made, okay? The relationship was described as uh, Doug Peterson being, quote, treated like a baby. Now, the exact quote uh, from this anonymous source is as follows. Quote, Peterson was ridiculed and criticized for every decision. If you won by three, it wasn't enough. If you lost on a last-second field goal, you're the worst coach in history. End quote. Hold that thought. The article continues, and reportedly following the 2019 season, when Doug Peterson announced that then-offensive coordinator Mike Grow and wide receiver coach uh, Carson Walsh were returning as members of the coaching staff, Doug Peterson was reportedly given 24 hours by Jeff Lurie to fire them or to be fired along with them. 
Jesus Christ. So now you have what was at one point an incredible culture. We all we got, we all we need. Galvanized the city, delivered this fan base something that uh, it had been waiting forever for, for generations. Brought it here, magical moment. And it's become an absolutely toxic work environment that is reminiscent of a dictatorship. Plain and simple. Like, what happened to the culture that saw Jeff Lurie dancing in the locker room? You know, old white Jewish owner Jeff Lurie dancing in the locker room with his predominantly black team to hip-hop music and dancing, quite frankly, just like an old white Jewish man would, okay? Not great, not a ton of rhythm there, but it was a family. It was, it was this wonderful blend of what you want to see in this world, especially with everything going on now of people from different backgrounds and different ethnicities and different, you know, different backstories all coming together, enjoying life, common goal, love, celebration. That's what this team used to represent. That's what it did represent. And now you have all of these reports coming out that they're threatening a guy that, and again, for all intents and purposes, Doug Peterson has become the compl- the martyr of this situation, right? And I'm one of those people that said, I felt like you had to fire him the way that week 17 went down. That was just the wheels falling off. You had to take control of this franchise if you're Jeff Lurie. Reset course and go in an entirely new direction. You had to. But you, you can do that by firing Doug Peterson, but – when, when you do that, when you keep Howie Roseman around, how the fuck is that resetting this franchise? Because this is the guy that I don't know what it is with Jeff Lurie. Why you can, you can look at Doug Peterson and you can be mad about decisions he's made, but you're sitting here yucking it up and, and being on some gossip shit with a guy in Howie Roseman that has had every bit as much, if not more, to do with running this team into the ground than Doug Peterson did. Look at all the dumb shit that Howie Roseman's done. That's the whole reason this team is in the situation that it is right now. His ego. His bad drafts. Not a single pro bowler since 2016. He's the reason why. You can knock Doug Peterson all you want for the play calling, and I've done that here. Did that. Not doing it anymore because he's not the coach anymore. But that happened a lot here. I get that more than anything. Doug Peterson was not without his faults, but you can say what you want about Doug Peterson. At the end of the day, all those players, with the exception of one, seem to love him. Seem to love Doug Peterson. And there is a difference between being a player's coach and more of a business approach as a head coach. Doug Peterson was absolutely more of a player's coach. 
and that's why guys love playing for him. But, again, there's plenty of blame to go around. But I don't know how none of this falls on Howie Roseman if you're Jeff Lurie. I, I, I don't. It's fucking mind-blowing to me how you don't look at what's happened to your team and the one constant that is still there. Eventually, you know, if if you're a guy or a gal and you go on 20, 30 dates, we'll say, right? And, you, you know, your friends ask you after the date, hey, how did the date go? And, you, you know, I'll... You know, this chick or this dude was this, that, and the other. They sucked. They were this or whatever the case may be. Anything negative. Eventually, you have to look at yourself and go, Christ, I'm the common denominator here. There's nothing wrong with the sample size of 20 or 30 people I've been on a date with. It's not all of them that happen to be fucked up. Maybe it's me. Maybe there's something wrong with me that I got to fix. There's something to be said for that common denominator theory. And again, that to me is exactly what Howie Roseman is. You get rid of Doug Peterson to appease the Ginger Judas dipshit. You, Ginger Judas dipshit doesn't want to be here anymore, so you trade Ginger Judas dipshit to you know his Christian buddy coach that he wants to go play for because he handles him with kid gloves. And shit is still trickling out on this team. Now, again, it's all happened. This is all in the past. But it's starting to come out now. And who's still there? Who's the guy that has survived the nuclear holocaust and is still just hanging around like a goddamn cockroach? Howie Roseman. At what point do we hold this guy accountable? I'm just asking. Now, that being said, uh... We're going to pivot to Howie, but on the more positive end of the spectrum. What I wanted to do, again, to try to put some good juju out there in the world, 17 days away from the draft, very, very stressful 72 hours. So I wanted to try and bring some good vibes, right? Because at the end of the day, after everything I just said, and I believe it to be accurate, and I think most people in this fan base would agree with it, every single draft pick Howie Roseman's made since 2010 has not sucked. Okay, it hasn't. If he was in terms of transactions as a whole, if he was complete shit, the worst GM in the league, Super Bowl 52 would not have happened. Let's just call it as it is. Super Bowl 52, like it or not, does not happen without Howie Roseman. Okay. <laughs> that said, you know, ugh, look at his track record the last couple years and you'll notice you'll notice a trend but at the end of the day he had been an employee of this team for so long for a reason things are just you know things come to a head right and that's where it is now with this organization becoming the shit work environment that it appears to be at least at the top and again shit rolls downhill we all got jobs we know that so from a just a just a person standpoint, Howie seems to be a problem. But over the course of his tenure here, he has made some good moves. And I'm here to look at, because we love a good list here on the pod, love lists. Justin, if you could hit me with the draft sounder. Um, what I wanted to do was, again, throw out some good vibes into the universe. Maybe it'll all work out come April 29th. 
I wanted to take the time today and look back at Howie Roseman's top 10 draft picks since 2010, right? Since he took over as Eagles GM. And, you know, this was kind of an arduous list to put together um, in a way. You know, I, I, as I'm talking about it right now, I wish like hell uh, I would have gone back and counted every single draft pick that Howie Roseman's made to have the total number um, available to me because I think number 10 on this list, while I think there is a case, I think it's pretty weak um, as, as a top 10 pick list. And I think number nine is as well, while I love the player, you know, and, and there were some cuts as well that happened um, along the way, but I ended up starting at number 10. I've got Jalen Mills and, you know, reason being is the way I looked at this list was a combination of uh, not just not in a vacuum in terms of what each guy brought to the table. Yes, that was part of it. What else was part of it was where were they drafted in what round, what stage in the draft, right? Who else was on the board at the time of the draft pick? Who else could have been taken instead of said guy? Every single factor that I could, I tried to look into and roll them all together and organize this list in order. So we start at number 10 with Jalen Mills. Seventh round pick, 233rd overall in the 2016 draft, okay? And again, look, Jalen Mills is one of these dudes that was not my favorite player, right? Got burnt on a lot of double moves constantly, even after the move to safety was not ideal with the damn finger wag bullshit, okay? Guy made one play against Atlanta in the divisional round the Super Bowl year, right? But if you look at him as a seventh-round pick, he started at corner for parts of four seasons. He was a full-time starter in 2017, the Super Bowl year. You know, he started at safety last year. Again, I'm not the biggest fan of the dude, but for a seventh-round pick, it's a pretty good return on your investment, right? If you can get that out of a seventh-round pick every year, you know, I'll I'll take it. You know, there's a lot of times where a seventh round pick doesn't even make the roster. Look at ours last year, Casey Tool, linebacker out of Stanford, didn't make the final 53 man roster. So, for Jalen Mills to be taken 233rd overall and to have that staying power, whether we like him or not, it's it's not a terrible pick at that stage in the draft. So that's why he comes in at number 10. Number nine. Give me my guy, and we've talked about this dude a ton on the pod. Huge fan of his. Was even before he got drafted in the Midnight Green because he was a Penn State and Nittany Lion. Miles Sanders, who was picked second round, 53rd overall in 2019. Now, this is the draft that everybody looks at, J.J.R. Sega Whiteside at 57 over D.K. Metcalf, right? So, yeah, you can go, well, D.K. Metcalf could have been the pick, but – he was there on the board at 57 as well when, when J.D.R. Sega Whiteside was picked. So that has nothing to do with Miles Sanders. All Miles Sanders has done since being drafted, you know, by this team has balled out whenever he's been given the opportunity. And that was my beef with Doug Peterson. Again, all last year, this guy was right there, average yards per carry in the NFL with Nick Chubb. Okay? And you're giving dude nine, ten carries a game. It was inexcusable. This dude is capable of being a top five running back in this league. I refuse to believe otherwise if given the opportunity. That's all he needs, and hopefully that happens now in Nick Sirianni's offense. But again, aside from DK Metcalf, 
you look back at that 2019 draft, who else was on the board at 53 that went around that range that would have made as big of an impact as Miles Sanders has? I'll wait. Moving on, coming in at number eight. I'm going with Dallas Goddard, second-round selection, 49th overall in 2018. This was kind of the peak uh, of fun being an Eagles fan, right? You go into the draft that year, and you kind of felt like there was really no glaring needs, right? That it was kind of a luxury pick sitting there at 32. You know, this was this was the the draft a few months after the Super Bowl. So we're sitting there at the end of the first round. You felt like there's really no glaring holes on this roster. So let's just see how the board shakes out in front of us. Ozzie Newsom, for his very final move in his <laughs> GM of the Baltimore Ravens, his final move is to trade back up into the first round with the Birds in this 32nd pick and select Lamar Jackson, okay? So with that, we move back into the second round, obviously, because Baltimore moves up to take their guy. And then we take we move up ahead of Dallas, who picked it uh, uh, 50th overall to take Dallas Goddard, tight end out of South Dakota State, because all signs were pointing to the fact that uh, the Cowboys were going to take him. They needed a tight end. Jason Witten had just retired. Dude was named Dallas, as in Cowboys, right? Quasi, it's just Jerry, Jerry Jones pick, right? So Howie Roseman pulled a boss move, leapfrogged the Cowboys, and then they sent the kicker out there. You know how the players, alumni, come out and they make the second-round picks and third-round picks and shit on the second night? Heal David Akers promo. Remember the year before Drew Pearson came out when the draft was in Philly in 2017 and came out and said a bunch of shit. We not only win the Super Bowl, send the kicker out when the draft is in Dallas and David Akers just crushes the Dallas crowd and it is so fun to see. And again, Dallas Goddard has been a good a, a good player for this organization. Not not an all-timer at least not yet. I don't think that he will be that anyway. Um, eventually, but a very, very nice player that now makes a guy like a Zach Ertz expendable if you can get anything for him. Goddamn, I've been waiting on that trade, haven't we all, right? Speaking of, coming in at number seven, Zach Ertz, 35th overall, second-round pick in 2013. You know, and again, while it seems like he's worn out his welcome here with the organization anyway, and it drives me nuts to watch him get tackled by safeties with somebody when he is the size that he is. You know, you can't argue with Hertz's resume, right? He's he's he is an all timer as it comes to the Philadelphia Eagles. He set the record for most receptions by a tight end in a single season with 116. He's fifth in franchise history in receiving yards, second in receptions. You know, he's a former first team all pro, a three time pro bowler, and he scored that gaming winning touchdown. In Super Bowl 52. At the end of the day, that's all you need to know. Number six. And this is a pick that I never thought if I was going to put a list together like this, that this pick would be up here. But again, sometimes you're wrong. At number six, Brandon Graham. First round, 13th overall in 2010. This was the Earl Thomas year, right? Everybody, myself included, wanted Earl Thomas safety out of Texas because... 
Brian Dawkins had just left. You needed that guy. This was at that point an Eagles defense meant something and had an identity. Dawkins leaves, goes to Denver. That's all changed. Earl Thomas would have brought that that boom back to this defense that we were all used to seeing, right? So we trade up from 24 to 13, and you're thinking, man, fuck yeah, we're going to go get him. And then they announce Brandon Graham as the pick, and you're like, oh. And it's nothing against Brandon Graham, but everybody that I know at the time that was an Eagles fan wanted Earl Thomas. And again, it it just goes to show why your your initial gut reaction to a pick is not always the reactionary instinct is not always correct, you know, because all BG's done is is you know become a second team All Pro once in his career, 2016, I believe, a Pro Bowler last year. He enters this season tied for eighth in franchise history in games played. He's fourth in sacks. Uh, the infamous strip sack of Tom Brady in Super Bowl 52, right? He's the only that that was the only defensive play the entire game, right? The, Brady threw for 500 yards on this defense, just carved him up all night. He comes through with the strip sack to seal the deal. That's it. Lombardi does not happen without Brandon Graham, you know, and you look at it, he's a great locker room guy, high character, good dude. Uh, to move up and get a guy like that, um, while at the time did not feel like a great move, you wanted somebody different. It just goes to show that that you never know. Sometimes guys are late developers. It depends on what system they're in, things of that nature. And Brandon Graham has gone from being like a quasi-bust label guy to being a full-fledged legend uh, among this fan base for for good at this point. Starting out uh, the top five here, I'm going to go back to the 2013 draft. We're going to go with Lane Johnson, fourth overall pick. Uh, look, <laughs> the 2013 draft sucked, okay? You go back and look, uh, you know, it, it – who got picked in this draft and it was just awful this is it's just terrible so here's the top 10 in order from one to ten eric fisher luke jokel Dion jordan lane johnson ziggy ansah barkevious mingo jonathan cooper tavon austin d milliner and chance warmack fucking christ <laughs> this draft was so bad that only one quarterback was taken in the first round E.J. Manuel, when he went 16th overall to Buffalo. You know, again, you look at, at, at Lane Johnson, you know, three-time Pro Bowler, former first-team All-Pro, recognized by Pro Football Focus's uh, all-decade team of the 2010s. To come away from – you look at everybody that was projected to go high in that draft. You come away from that top 10, and you've got the one player. You landed the one player. Again, Eric Fisher's had a nice career. So I don't want to slander him, but aside from that, you know, Luke Jokel, you know, and Ziggy Ansah's okay, Tavon Austin, eh. You know, you come away from that group of guys with the guy to have. That that says something because that draft was terrible. And again, credit Howie for, for, you know, coming away from that shit draft. First two picks, Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz. There you go. At number four, give me Fletcher Cox, 12th overall pick in the 2012 draft. This was one of the ones that I was so, again, we talked, there's very few times that 
Like, how many times does your team actually take the guy you want, not a guy you're cool with, or, hey, I like that pick, but the guy you want to come away with? This is one instance for me with Fletcher Cox with the 12th overall pick in 2012, how he trades up from 15 to 12 to take him, okay? You know you know the resume at this point. First team All-Pro before, three-time second team All-Pro, six-time Pro Bowler, fifth in franchise history, in sacks, this is another guy that is, you know, generational uh, talent, one of the top defensive tackles in the league. You know, who's better than him? Aaron Donald? And maybe that's it. You know, it, it, he's he's a just a double-team magnet, a, a monster. He's a guy that will probably have his number hanging in the rafters at the link before, you know, it's all said and done, or when it's all said and done, rather. Fletcher Cox is a legend, you know, for a reason, and he gets the props that he does for a reason to identify that guy move up three spots to take him good move by Howie Roseman is paid off tenfold now we get into our top three and I hate to do it I hate to do it but coming in at third I'm going Carson Wentz second overall in 2016 um you know say what you want but a series of you know how he executed a series of trades to maneuver uh, up the draft board that year to land Carson. You know, he parlayed Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso into Carson Wentz and therefore taking those two guys and turning them into Super Bowl 52. Carson was supposed to be the face of the franchise, and he was for a brief moment. Now we can say it's brief. Didn't feel brief at the time, but he was supposed to be that. You can say what you want, but to take Byron Maxwell and Kiko Alonso and turn that into a Lombardi trophy. Man, that's highway robbery. Super Bowl 52 does not happen without the Ginger Judas. Point blank. Say what you want, but it doesn't. That's why that pick comes in at number three. The next two were not hard for me to decipher at all. Number two, the runner-up, I got Nick Foles. Third round, 88th overall pick in 2012. Obvious reasons, right? Complete obvious reasons. Only other... uh, Super notable player to go between this pick and the Birds' next pick, which was 123rd uh, overall. The only player to go between 88 and 123 that's, you know, super notable is T.Y. Hilton, who was taken with the 92nd pick by the Colts. Motherfucker won the Super Bowl MVP. You got him in the third round. There you go. Mic drop. And coming in at number one, Howie Roseman's best draft pick, Of all time, Jason Kelsey, sixth-round pick, 191 overall in 2011. Dude's a legend in this city forever. Book it, cement it, unless skeletons come out of his closet years later, which I don't think they will. This dude has a legacy that will last generations in in this city amongst his fan base. You got the Super Bowl parade promo, right, and the Mummers outfit. You know, off the field, just just a great dude, cool dude, stand-up guy, high character, awesome, uh, you know, great to the fans, and you get the same from him on the field as well. Three-time first-team All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler. One of the best offensive linemen of this generation is Jason Kelsey, and again, this is another guy who's a candidate to have his number hanging in the rafters at the link one day. Jason Kelsey, whether that happens or not, he's a Hall of Famer. 
Not not an Eagles Hall of Famer, that too, but he's a pro football Hall of Famer. This motherfucker is going to be in Canton one day, and he should be. He deserves it. Uh, when you get that in the sixth round, 191st overall, you've done something special. That is is what you want. That's why you can't always just look at the first and second rounds. I know they're the glamorous ones, right? Those are the guys that – you know, most people know, and most a lot of places come out with you know just first round mocks and first and second round mocks. You can it's cliche, right? Brady was a six round pick as well, but you look at guys like this again. The late rounds of the draft are, are every bit as important. That's where you round your roster out, and if you can land guys like. You know, even even like a Jalen Mills, I hate to say it, I'm glad he's gone, but he for a seventh-round pick, Christ Almighty, sixth-round, Jason Kelsey, those picks are why Super Bowl 52 happened. Again, notice the trend, though. Not a lot of them have happened since the Super Bowl. I made the decision early on I'm not including anybody from last year's draft because obvious reasons. Nobody's done shit. You don't know what they're going to be yet. Even the picks that I liked – you don't know what they're going to be yet. Even the picks I didn't like, you don't know what they're going to be yet. So eventually they could end up on this list if we were to revisit it, but there's no point in putting anybody from the 2020 draft on this list. So again, you know, you look at it lately, and how many of them came after the Super Bowl? You know, and again, this isn't like the Ten Commandments. This is just my list. You know, hit me up with your thoughts at Grease Poll Podcast, but how many of them happened after the Super Bowl? Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders. <clears throat> you know? And, and you wonder why shit's going downhill. There you go right there. I've, I've said it ever since the Super Bowl happened is when dude's ego blew up and when he started running shit into the ground. There it is right there. Proofs in the pudding, as they say, at least in my opinion. What are, uh, what are your picks? What picks did you love that Howie made? I know there are a few and far between, but hit me up at Grease Pole Podcast on IG, at Grease Pole Pod on Twitter is where you can reach out to me and let me know what you got, what you think of the list. I'm down for all of it. Before we get out of here, um, I wanted to plug an appearance. Your boy was a guest uh, on on a pod, so hashtag pod support pod. Uh, we've had him on the pod here before as well. Frank LaPlaca, who hosts the unofficial Bengals podcast, went on his pod um, a few days ago. The episode's going to be dropping tomorrow, uh, Tuesday the 13th is going to be out, went up there and talked some NFL draft with him. Absolute blast, absolute blast, loved it. Uh, go check it out, support him. He's on IG, at Cincy Bengals Pod, uh, on all the podcast platforms as well as YouTube, at the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Give him a follow, support his content as well. He's great, knows his shit, and uh, quality content. So wanted to give my guy a shout-out. Appreciate him having me on his pod. Um... We're coming down the home stretch, people. Only, uh, let's see, one, two, three more episodes uh, before before the first round of the draft on the 29th. You know, the, the draft week itself is going to be a little busy. A couple episodes are going to be dropped in your lap, multiple episodes that week. So uh, keep an ear out. We'll keep you posted on that in the coming weeks. 
Let me know what you think of my list. Again, not the Ten Commandments, but, you know, curious to get your thoughts nonetheless. I Jason Kelsey was a lock for me at one. I don't know if that's the same for the rest of the fan base or not. I'd be curious. Again, at Grease Pole Podcast is where you can hit me up. Every episode is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as always, which is where I will see you next Monday. Thanks for supporting me for one year, if you have. Looking forward to the next year. As always, go Birds. Yo, how'd Barkley put it? <laughs> Looking like another Grease Pole night in Philly. Philly, Philly. Thanks.